You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land, and what he did to the army of Egypt, and to their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. So you shall love the Lord your God and obey him. And then he goes back and says, you've got to think about God and who he is. And as we've said before, God most reveals himself by what he's done. So he says, think about the great acts of God. Think about what he did to Egypt, Pharaoh, Egypt's armies. You know, you think about how God rolled the wet waters of the Red Sea right over their faces and destroyed them. Think about what he did to Dathan and Abiram and all those guys that the earth just swallowed up for their rebellious, uh, rebellious speaking. And think about all the great things you've seen. When we want to increase our commitment to God, think about what we know about God. Not just abstractly. Think about what we've seen God do. Think about God in this situation, that situation, the other situation. There's so much need to constantly remember what God's done. You know, just go back and review that and think about that. Because it is the character of God that shapes and molds our heart. And we see the character of God best in what He's done. Comments and questions? Why do you think he doesn't mention Korah here? He mentions Dathan and Byram, who are kind of like the less important guys in that rebellion. Korah is kind of the ringleader. I don't know the answer to that. You know, there are several times in the Bible where suddenly he'll mention somebody, something that uh, you would not expect. Um, I think about, um, was it uh, Hosea 11 that mentions Adma and Zeboim instead of Sodom and Gomorrah? You're thinking, well, at least mention Sodom and Gomorrah. I wonder if it wasn't just to kind of draw attention to it. You know, you mentioned the lesser known ones, and you have to go back and look it up and think about it. But I don't know. You know, every once in a while you'll see things like that, uh, that uh, at least keep us on our toes. Seth? Well, not all of Korah's family is consumed. Good point. That is true. Yeah, the son of Korah, writers of the Bible. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Cameron? Verse 7 seems to say that they all had seen it with their own eyes, but really it's their parents seeing it. Is this speaking to those that were under 20, or is it speaking as if you as a nation, not them specifically, have seen it? I think you as a nation, uh, though some of them, perhaps the under 20 group, had not sure just exactly how far in the revolt of Korah and Nathan of Byram was also. Maybe there'd be a few more if it was a few years into that. So, yeah. I think more than you is you all as a people. Okay. Um, 825. <clears throat> 
You shall therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding you today, so that you may be strong and go in, and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, so that you may prolong your days on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land into which you are entering to possess it, it is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed and water with your foot, with your foot like a vegetable garden. But the land in which you are about to cross to possess it, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, from the beginning even to the end of the year. It shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early and late rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Beware that your hearts are not deceived, and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. For the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the ground will not yield its fruit, and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall, you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens remain above the earth. For if you are careful to keep all this commandment, which I am commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your border will be from the wilderness to Lebanon, and from the river, the river Euphrates as far as the western sea. No man will be able to stand before you. The Lord your God will lay the dread of you and the fear of you on all the land on which you set foot, as he has spoken to you. Okay, so they're possessing the land and continuing to prolong their days in it depends on their obedience to the command of God. That it was not a question of their military might. It would be a question of their commitment to walk in the Lord's ways and obey his, his commandments. He tells them about the land, and it, wow, just such a wonderful land. So well watered. You know, in Egypt, they had to use irrigation ditches that they control with their feet, kind of mounding up earth to divert the flow and so forth. In, in Canaan, you just had water everywhere. You just had streams and brooks and rivers and all of that sort of thing. Just a wonderful <laughs> land. A land, as he says in verse 12, the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. You know, God just is constantly giving Canaan his attention uh, in a benevolent way, kind of reminds you of paradise, kind of like Eden. You know, this is the wonderful land, and God would continue to bless the land if they serve him. It is not that they should worship Canaanite gods to ensure the reign and the prosperity of the land. Worship the Lord. He's the one who controls the reign in this land. Beware that you don't serve these other gods, because that's the wrong way to go. Uh, then you'll perish quickly, and God will shut up the heavens, there'll be no rain. You know, there's a lot of emphasis in the Old Testament on who's the God who controls the storm, the rain, the, process, the fertility. 
is it Baal or is it the Lord? And clearly it was the Lord. But you remember how so often the Israelites got that wrong down to the very end of their history. Remember in Jeremiah 44, when the Israelites, the, the, after this is post-captivity, you know, the, some of them had gone down to Egypt. And they claimed that the problem of the exile was because they quit worshiping the goddess, the queen of heaven. Instead of recognizing that it was because they quit worshiping and serving the Lord, the God of heaven. It's incredible that the Israelites would have been so foolish in their thinking in that way. And then he emphasizes again, look at 18 to 21. Impress these words on your heart, on your soul, bind them on your hand, on your forehead, teach them to your sons when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up, write them on your doorposts, on your gates. If Deuteronomy means anything, it means you have to live this word, this message. This was God's communication to man. It is not possible, it seems to me, to overemphasize how much we need to know it and live it. That's what he says to do. Everywhere you are, see it, hear it, talk about it, think about it. Put God's message into your heart to shape you. God communicates to us through this word, and, and we just got a treasure. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and that's going to be the key to their longevity in the land. God's going to give them all this, this land. He's going to drive out the nations. And if they will be faithful, they will continue to be victorious in this land. Comments and questions? 225. Twenty-six to thirty-two. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah, of opposite Gilgal and beside the oak of Morah? For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you should be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you today. So he's given them the general principles of the covenant. It's time for a decision. Here's the blessing. Here's the curse. Here's the choice. You decide. You're going into the land. You're crossing the Jordan. You know, I mean, God can tell us all he wants to, what we ought to do. But ultimately, he leaves us with a choice. Will we do it or not? There are consequences to the choice, but this is the moment. They have to decide what they're going to do. This kind of finalizes this section of Deuteronomy. You know, giving these general principles, uh, these, these concepts of fear, walk, love, serve, keep, and, and now he's sort of pressing them. Choose you this day, as Joshua would say. You know, it's up to us to decide will we obey it or not. <clears throat> Comments and thoughts? On all this, yes. You keep saying today. Do you think this whole book 
it's like an assembly they had and Moses did all this. He keeps saying it today. He does say it a lot. I don't know if this was all spoken in one day or not, but I do think that today really emphasizes the urgency. Maybe it doesn't mean this one day, but it does mean now is the time. You've got to decide now. We often want to put off, okay, I'm not sure if I'll obey or not, I'll decide later. No, we don't have that option. Today's the day, will you obey or not? So I'm not sure about this being one, you know, 24-hour day, but at least he's saying this in a very concentrated period of time and really putting the burden on them to choose now what they're going to do. Good point, good observation. Other thoughts? Yes? Used in Hebrews three as well when we talk about uh, today is to hear His voice, do not harden your heart. So it seems that to have that same function of, of the urgency of now, even in the days of the psalmist and in the days of the Hebrew writer, was still today. Yes, yes. The day for decision is now, and, and when we think that, well, I'm just not sure I want to decide now. I'll, I'll decide later. The truth is, we're deciding now not to obey. You know, we're saying, well, maybe I'll decide to obey tomorrow. But by putting off the decision, we're making a decision. We need to recognize that. Yes, Eric. Uh, I like in verse 30 how he makes it very specific. It's almost like he's giving them directions. He's like, you know where uh, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal are to these children, this generation that have been wandering in the wilderness. The land might have been some kind of abstract, far-off idea. But now it's like they're right there. They can see it. Yes, and they're going to speak the blessings of the covenant on Mount Gerizim and the cursings on Mount Ebal, and that also accentuates this idea you have a choice with two totally different destinies. So decide. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take about a 15-minute break. When we come back, we're going to sing some songs about walking in God's way.